Hello and welcome to the Tenpence Arcade Podcast. My name is Victor Marland and uh, with Sean gone, hopefully not forever, I'm going to try and do some co-hosting with some specially picked guests until I work out how I want and how and where and what I want the podcast to progress to in the future. And this week I've handpicked from a podcasting box uh, one of them named Garen Tungay, aka Retro Schmupper, and one of the hosts of RGDS. Hello Garen, how you doing? Hi, Vic. Yeah, great to be here. Uh, thanks for inviting me onto your show. That's all right. I see you are actually in a retro game box as we speak. This is your your annex of your games room. And I can see, let me just tell the listeners, because this is arcade-related, and a lot of it's usually biscuit-related and stuff like that. Uh, I can see, in the background, two lovely ponies. You can indeed. I had something to do with those, didn't I? Was I the one who put you on the hot tip for those two? You were. I was going to get Astro Cities, but you were telling me, no, get no, pony no, no. cabs. Get ponies. They will, they will survive the apocalypse, those things. They might need to. They might need to. I think it's upon us. But yeah, two lovely ponies there. I play them every day. I'm not very good at taking the games out of them. So one's got Dodon Patchy, Dojo White Label. Of course And the other has. one's got R-Type in it. And I rarely change the but games. So we've consoles. two pretty good games to have in, especially R-Type. Have you completed R-Type yet? Not on that. No, I have on console. Oh, really? Is it a bit easier on the console? Because I know the PC Engine has got... It's two versions, isn't there? There's the sort of first half of the game, and then our type two is the second half of the game. Yeah. So I did. I've got the cartridges somewhere in my little stash of uh, Who cards. I've got a few Who cards. I've got a uh, a proper SD drive for it anyway. But I have got some of these. I'm just looking for yeah, our type one and our type two. But it's not actually our type two. It's the second half of the game, isn't it? Yeah. And there's another Who card that's got all of them, the American one. And then oh, there's okay. one. There's a CD one that's got better music. Well, if only those questions were on your quiz for later on, you'd be all right, but they're not, unfortunately. So you are a manager of a large unnamed supermarket. Other unnamed supermarkets are available. Um, I understand it's been quite mad at the moment, because we are in the midst, if anyone's listening to this in the future, if there is a future, we're in the midst of the the COVID-19 coronavirus thing, and things are happening and it doesn't look great, so there's going to be no jokes on this podcast about that sort of thing, because it's getting quite serious. I went to the supermarket tonight, another unnamed one, and uh, there wasn't a lot in there. I got enough for what we need, there's only me and the wife and the dog. Um, but yeah, it's getting a bit silly, isn't it? People are going mad buying stuff. You must be super busy at the moment with all this stuff going on. Yeah, it is. It's been kind of like seven-day weeks, because it was really wow. underestimated where we were going to be with it then the the bulk buying the panic buying has just taken over so yeah. i sent you some pictures over on twitter of yeah. just walking around my shop before i left of today's delivery's gone out but just no bread no milk um no toilet roll oddly yeah and it's just getting worse day by day so hopefully the government's put some more measures out today but yeah. I, I just think until people stop panic buying and we will limit what people can buy. It's going to be weeks before we can build up the stocks again. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? I, I don't. I've never understood the panic buying thing because you know, if you if you do get the virus, um, if you're, you know, sort of healthy, you'll be okay. You'll get a virus, something very nice. It's just it's just the vulnerable people you might carry it to is the big problem. And if you've got to stay in for a month, maybe you know, you can obviously go out for a bit to get exercise and stuff. You know, just keep away from people, this sort of stuff. You're not going to use that many toilet rolls. People are buying like two hundred toilet rolls. It's just it's just madness. People just need to chill out and just be sensible. It's really crazy. Yeah, there's loads of food out there, but it's just 
having the time to, to get it on the shelves, really. Yeah, I, bought a, pa- I bought a pallet of custard earlier. Well, not quite. <laughs> anyway, we are going to be, hopefully, entertainment for those people staying in, and hopefully you can take their minds off it for a bit. Hang in there, people. Everything will be okay yeah. in the end. Don't worry. So, uh, people will probably know you already. If they listen to our podcast, they probably listen to your podcast. But if they don't, tell everyone about yourself, Garen. So, hi. Yeah, I'm Garen Retro Smupper on the social platforms. One of the hosts of the ITGS podcast, along with the rest of uh, the team. It's a bit like the So Solid crew of podcasts. We've all got different views and likes. Hopefully, we manage to get lots of different types of, of shows out there. Quite a lot of time, we don't agree on things, which is, is quite good. Yeah. I must have a bit more of a crisp person than a biscuit person, although I have got some Lotus Biscoff biscuits. Oh, um, they're a good one. They're a good one. Thought it'd be wrong to come on this show and not have biscuits and tea, a cup of tea ready. I'm a, I'm a console collector, and play. aren't you just? I've seen <laughs> your collection; it is vast. It is quite. You've been doing it for a long time, haven't you? It's not just been a, a, a last sort of ten or fifteen years. You've been doing it for a yonks. You know, since the consoles were out, you sort of kept hold of them. Yeah, so I'm lucky enough to have had the room and means to to have kept them. I suppose in the 1990s I, I went out there and got my first arcade machine and wow i've sucked things up since then i do like smups shooters stgs whichever name people like to call them by because no people don't some people don't like smups but i don't really care about that i like collecting the games the models the figures and the posters i'm a bit of um a collector of those now yeah. don't collect for for much else i just time is precious so i just collect and play the games i like yeah, absolutely. I've seen your collection. You're into the books, and every time we go to the um, like the London gaming market, you always sort of leave. I, I sort of go in there, and I'm very specific. I'm very picky about what I need. And usually, I just go to meet people and sort of say hello, and I sort of maybe come away with a cartridge or two. And I'm, I'm not really a boxed fan. I just get you know the, the cartridge to go with. And usually, with me, it's like unboxed arcade ports only. I'm very specific. And I might leave with one thing if I'm lucky. You come out with like a bag full of stuff. I'm carrying stuff with your car. You've got books. <laughs> and it's like, Jesus. But yeah, you're a serious collector. But do you you must you actually, when you get them home, you use them at least once, surely. You don't just put them on a shelf. You use the things. No, I'll go through. I'll use it. There are times where I buy a few games and won't play them. Some will be for different systems. Mm-hmm. But now, definitely, if I would buy it, I would use it so yeah. even like the, the smop switch are uh, the smops on the switch i'm, I'm quite narrow now what i'd what i'd buy because space i've got i haven't got enough space so it said this is the annex this is the downstairs man yeah, cave you've taken the, over the, the main game room's kind of a, above me i i i can't really talk because as we speak now i mean, I mean our, we, we've got a hobby room it's not like a big house it's just we've got a spare room we haven't got kids with us anymore you know my kids are older and stuff and all this lot and I've got this little spare room, and it's got two big tables in it, and there's a big racking of my gear on the left-hand side, and I'm on the left-hand side. My wife has her stuff on the right. She's got, like, a sewing machine and, and all this sort of stuff for sewing and all that kind of gear over there. And currently, the table has got uh, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten Vectrex controllers, part-made, uh, and a box full of boxes to make more controllers on it and it's absolutely full and luckily at the moment she's so busy with her, her phd studies she hasn't had time to get in here and tell me off for putting it on there so i'm just as bad as you for space really so tell us about we know you're a big console guy and the good thing about rgds is because you do consoles and 
arcade and all sorts of you, you get a wide range of views and things especially so many of you as well so it's quite a it covers quite a, a, a wide branch of, of retro gaming but tell me about your arcade history that's what we're here today to talk about tell so, me about arcade stuff arcade i grew up in a seaside town oh nice one so did i already kind of leaps ahead so i went to the arcades in the 70s and 80s it was the focal point of the whole town there's four arcades in my town there was kind of two secondary schools, so we kind of went to, to different arcades, didn't mix a huge amount. The ones I went to in Felixstowe were the Pier and the Carousel, and I, I'd, I'd go down there you know, three or four times a week at least. Saturdays and Sundays, when we weren't playing football, revolved around the arcades. Everything revolved around arcades, and, and our social group, our friends were, were there. So I was there through the Golden Age, I was quite lucky that the Carousel had really good Sega games. It's kind of like a bit of a test arcade for Sega back in the day. It was really good. I then went down there so much, I just used to get roped in into helping empty the machines. Oh, wow. On a, on a Sunday. It was quite helpful because I was quite a bit of a, a big lump. So <laughs> I just used to follow up the guys around and hold the buckets while they emptied the 10Ps into the machine and just take it back over to the the cash kiosk in the corner for them. But yeah, I really like arcade games. That was what got me into the console collecting. I was looking for an arcade port from that. I prefer arcade games, especially now in in relation to less time, if I'm honest. So Yeah, same with me. Exactly the same with me. And I, and I look at nostalgia. Some of my favourite games are, are things like Scramble, Oh yeah! Before. Now you're talking my my language, mate. But I remember, and, and that kind of that era of the games that I've huge nostalgia playing. So a bit of Black Tiger, Elevator Action, really, really in, enjoy those. Always been attracted to the the shooting games. So that's that's how it's all all come through. That that was where I would spend my ten p's predominantly in um the shooting games and the odd your pinball anything else in the arcades the platformers maybe now and then fighting games i I don't don't get them and anything like the the fruit machines i I probably put about 50p a year in those just didn't do it for me yeah if i if i ever went on a fruit machine because my dad was always in fruit machines it was always you know the the old parent thing where why don't you play these you can win some money back i'm like yeah but it's just it's just fruit and bells going around on some stupid thing but every now and again if i put like you know 20 50p and got two quid out that two quid was going to go in space invaders or scramble or you know pac-man or whatever so that was sort of a a means to playing games really if you won some money on that it wouldn't go back in the machine that my dad used to i just no chance it's going on it's definitely going on robotron or defender or something yeah absolutely yeah defender would be a quick 10p for me i'm, I'm still me rubbish too. at that never been any good at that I used to go to the arcade so much that the um, my mate, best mate John and my parents' uh, mum put money together and they bought uh, Boot Hill. Oh, wow. From, and they had it at John's house because a, a spare room there. So that was their ploy to keep us out of going to the arcades. So when we were younger, the first arcade game we had was Boot Hill. Wow. And the second one was a cocktail of Mooncrestor. Oh, that's a good one. So a Boot Hill nowadays worth quite a lot of money. Yeah, we got rid of it. Age when I was about like sixteen, we got it's that, that tipping point of like don't don't play that anymore. Yeah, but back then when you were sixteen, that machine was worth absolutely nothing. You'd be lucky if you got ten, fifteen quid, twenty quid for that back then. But nowadays, it's probably an eight hundred quid cabinet. 
Yes, it's a good old game as well. I know it's only a simple 8080 game, but it's great. It's a good little game. Just imagine if you'd had a jammer cab back then, you could actually swap games in and out of it. You'd oh, never leave great. that house. You'd just be Not there right. all the time. So you, you say your favourite games are the shmups. Do you go, I think I know already, just tell the listeners, you, you do go up to sort of the 2000s with the, the sort of bullet hells as well, don't you? You get into the sort of technical shooters as well as the simple ones like the scrambles and you and your Defenders and your Nemesis and stuff like that? Yeah, so I, I really, really like those. On the console side of it, I, I played PC Engine most, so they're my favourite. But back in the arcades, like 1942, not as much as Sean. Well, sure, that's Sean's one of his favourite games. Mine are kind of Xevious. And I got into Truxton, so I'm a massive Truxton or Tachujian fan. And I like all the tower-playing games. And that then led me into things like Batshugan, the Bullet Hell games, and right up to now, where I'll play Dodo and Patchy and all the, like some of the Psycho games, the, the games with grazing. And they get a bit complicated. So I, I suppose I like the games where the more things you kill, the more points you get. But I do understand some of like the score mechanisms of, of Dodo and Patchy. And it's really hard. And I like it. Th- those kind of games for me. I do like the... I really like Gwanga. That is a brilliant game, and we, I am going to do that on the podcast in the next few months, because it's one I've been meaning to get to for a long, long time. Gwanga's a really nice game, but I think it's the art style I like more than anything. It is a bullet hell, but it's a, it's a manageable one. And I think if I get into that one, hopefully some people who know how to play it will give me some tips and actually get into the scoring and, and the sort of tactics, tactics as well. But those kind of games, for me, sort of remind me of pinball machines, because there's lots of rules and regulations and things to do, and, and like multipliers, and you just got to remember, but for me... I'm a bit like old school and I would just prefer to shoot stuff in face. Like, you know, sort of your Volgus and your, your 1942 series and that sort of thing. And, and obviously um, the horizontal ones like Scramble, as you said, and Nemesis and R-Types as well. They're real good ones. And I, I totally echo what you say about the PC Engine. That's one of my favourite little machines to play shooters on as well. It's such a good one for that. I think the, the NES and the SNES are very good for the platform games and the sort of, you know, the RPGs and all that sort of stuff, which I can't get into. But for pure, almost like, it was sort of, our, not even ours, actually. We didn't really get the PC in you, but it's sort of an equivalent for me of a 68,000 that the Japanese got because they got some really excellent arcade ports on a 68Ks. And the sort of closest we can get to that, because 68,000 computers is really hard to find nowadays and hard to get going and hard to understand. But the PC Engine or the Turbo Graphics is an absolutely perfect place to play those in because you can get the caravan games and all that stuff so you can have a quick shoot and quick competitions which are quite into quite like it yeah the caravan games people listen to podcasts and i'm i'm huge into them i spent a lot of last year honing my skills on them and just playing them but to the point of like a bit of obsession really i play them every day and like many many games a day i really like those but so back to the arcades like you, I do like the ones of the, the skill, the reward, and, and progressing as you play. Some of the, the other ones are a bit, bit brutal, really. Yeah, they really are. I saw you playing some at the um, Re- Revival was out a couple of weeks ago. And um, I think you were just doing the first few levels because they're the ones you've really honed in on recently. And it's just like you could just see you just, just tapping the t- tiny little movements just to just ease yourself out the way these just curtains of blue bullets coming at you and stuff. I was like, I sort of looked at it and went, nah, just walked off. <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> no chance. So what, 
you have two ponies in that room with you. Yep. What other cabs have you got at the moment? Because you're not really a big cab guy. You've got a few and you just play them. You don't really restore them and collect cabs because they are obviously time killers and time I, uh, space killers as well. Yeah, and knowledge. Really. I think that would be the bit that frustrate me. When they, when they go wrong, I kind of get a bit frustrated with it. Yeah. Like you had to take me, show me how to take the chassis out of it and all. But So yeah. I've got Zachariah. That's the first cabinet I owned. That's one of those crazy Italian things, isn't it? It is a bit garish on the side. And I bought that. That's Jammer. And I've got the MVS Multicart. So that was my first cab for a, a long time. And I've got like 1942 Time Pilot and some other, other games in there that I've had for a while. And I've got an Naomi, which is still like full size, hasn't been chopped down. Are you still just playing tennis on it? I... I I am just still playing Virtua Tennis on it. it <laughs> so that's a, that a dedicated Virtua Tennis cab for you. Yeah, no, it's, that's kind of why it was bought. Virtua Tennis is one of my favourite uh, games in, in arcade. I would have probably a crazy taxi one if I had the inclination to get another one. But yeah, it is Virtua Tennis. I've got other games for it. I need to get a pie loader. Yeah, I was going to say, you, I'll have to set you up with uh, Rich Chunkson's pie loader. It's really good. I, when I had my Naomi, which I loved my Naomi, I had a little chop Naomi, I had the pie loader on that and the one you could actually load off your phone. You just went onto your phone, you, you dialed into it via whatever it was, wireless, I presume, told it what game you want, and like a minute later it would be on the screen. It was so good. And there's some really nice games. I know they're sort of slightly more modern for my taste, but there were some real good ones on there, some really good ones. And with the um, with the ponies, what I've tried to do is just have the keep it to the boards where I've actually got the PCBs for. Yeah. So uh, although you can get uh, the Pi and PCs, I worry that if I had it, I would just flick through them like I do on Retro Pi or something, and yeah. not get kind of value out of the boards that I've got. So I'm quite key with the with these ones. Of I'll buy the buy the game, I'll put it in, and I'll play it. So I've got like Tattoo Genoa that I keep meaning to put back into the vertical one, but I haven't got the heart to disconnect Dodon Patch at the moment. Yeah, well, it's one of your favourites, isn't it? It is. Well, it's, it's, it's always there when you want to put it in. Just put it in there in a bit of bubble wrap next to it and just swap it over when you like. Yeah, they, they, they've got them all wrapped up. Yeah. I need to change it over. But that thing, I think when you've got a multi-game system, like even if you bought like a, just a 60 in one, which is amazing value, they're like 35 quid and you've got 60 games in there, Everyone moans about the uh, the sound on them. The sound's a bit scrunchy and a bit horrible, a bit over-amplified. But if you get over that, you've got 60 games. I think there's probably about 50 on there, 55 with some clones on there as well. But there's some real good classics on there. And the, the good thing is, is to not, even if you've got like a, a MAME set with Groovy MAME on, is not put the whole library on. Just put 100 games on it. And the ones you really like, and don't go mad putting like you know ten versions of Street Fighter and twenty versions of Scramble or whatever. You just have the one or the, the sort of set number of games you want, and that's it. Yeah, I've got a sixty-one. My daughter plays Gallagher on it every time she comes around, so she's getting quite good at that. Don't I know? And, that's all she kept asking for yeah. at revival. Is there anywhere with Gallagher? I was, oh God, there isn't. Sorry. <laughs> she can um get like ninety hundred. Probably like, she'll certainly get ninety thousand on it. Wow, it's going. It's good. Probably more than I can get actually. It is, it is. She's good at it. She's she. That's all she'll play. Oh, maybe the game of Frogger we'll have on it as well. Yes, so I quite froggy. like that. Excellent. And I've got the. There's a horizontal one, isn't there? I think it's got 27 games on it. It's less. It's yeah, a smaller 19 one. Yeah, 19 in one. Yeah. But I've um, 
I've never put that in, if I'm honest. Oh, it's good. There's some good ones on there. You've got, um, you've got Solomon's Key on there. You've got uh, Nemesis, Ghosts and Goblins, um, Sky Kid. There's some good ones on there. There's a bunch of Williams games. You like the D- Defender and your Robotrons. There's some good games on that one, actually. Really good. Such a, but the 19 in one has got better sound as well. I think the emulation is slightly better. And it's, for, that, for that money, it'd be crazy not to have them. If you've got Jammer cabs and you've not got a lot of them, it'd be crazy not to have one. I think I've got two of each, actually, like put in different cabs every now and again. So I've got them. I've got uh, a Pandora's box, but that doesn't work. That's something to do with all my technical knowledge here. Yeah. The 15-volt line. 12-volt um, line, probably. Is it? Oh, look at that, the 12-volt line. If you put 15-volt in it, it wouldn't be very happy. It would blow up. <laughs> oh, look at that. So what I do like is you've managed to... I've managed to come in and replace Sean with the same amount of technical knowledge as Sean. So yes. if I Did, smear jam on it... I was going to say, the jam's going to come in next, isn't it? Yeah, jam. But the thing is, though, I wouldn't be too harsh on yourself, because when I came round to your house that time to help you set up a few things, that Pandora's box, I couldn't get working on your pony. I think there was some... It might have been the minus five volt line that wasn't working. It was something that one of your, your switches, you know, the power supply in yep. the cabs hasn't got and a lot of other boards doesn't matter it's fine without it so it might have been the minus five volt that was going wrong or yeah i can't remember now what it was but i think that that pandora's box is sort of more catered for a slightly more modern machine that might have some different powers in it and stuff i won't worry about it. you're not missing much mate honestly you've probably got nope. a better setup with proper pcbs actually yeah so i will um i'll probably get another cave pcb one day this year but they're just what when you get your bonus from work because they're that yeah. expensive <laughs> Yeah, they're a silly price. But I do play them on the Xbox 360, so they, they come through well. Yeah, they're very good versions, aren't they? Because what, what yeah. most people do, um, or normal sort of run-of-the-mill people, it's the same as pinballs. If you've got a pinball, you've invested a lot of money into it. So what they do is they, they, they play that pinball to death. They learn everything about it, get high scores until they're so bored of it, they then sell it or swap it for another one. And then you do the same again. So if you got so bored of Dodon Patchy Dioju, you could easily sell that for good money, probably more than you paid for it, and then get yourself another cave game. But could you live with yourself if you got rid of that board? No. <laughs> you better start saving then, mate. <laughs> you better start saving. So here's a, here's a real hard question for you. It's not part of your quizzes. Nope. Those hard questions are coming later. What is your absolute favourite arcade game of all time? Well, let's go vertical first, because there's two categories, vertical and horizontal. What do you reckon your vertical one is? And there's thousands to pick from. A vertical screen would be Time Pilot. Oh, good choice. Good choice. That's one of my favourites. That's definitely top ten for me. And that was because I was probably the best in the arcade at that when I was younger, so that's got to be that. So what kind of scores are you getting on Time Pilot? I had over 400,000. 400,000? Yeah. That's a bit more than me. I think I'm about 350. Have um, you played it on the Vectrex? Have you got Vector Pilot? I haven't. Have you got a Vectrex? You have got Vectrex, haven't you? I've got Vectrex. You need to get Vector Pilot. It's need, so good. I need to get a lot of things for my Vectrex, it seems. I, I walked away from Revival thinking, I'm not doing my Vectrex right here. And your wallet was but, quivering in your pocket. Going, oh, no, they're it, expensive. It, it was. So I've had 400,000 on Time Pilot quite recently. Well, that's good when I was younger, I, I think I got higher than that. But wow. who knows? With, who knows with that, that the memory of it? But... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What about what horizontal games? It's got it's got to be our type. Yeah. When we go into it, it, I really like Darius. And on the show when we did 1987, our type and Darius were both. It's a it's their both their year they came out, so mm. it was very close. But it's is Darius R-type. the three screen one? Yep. Yeah, lots of fish. That would be 
a difficult game to get with a three screen one. That's a hard game to find. But what you but, could um, do, if you wanted to play it properly on main, get them on really, really, really wide screens. You know the ones that got ridiculous ratios? They're about three or four foot wide and about only 19 inches tall. You get one of them and play it on there because it'd be lovely seeing the whole screen across. Cause it is a nice effect. Like when you play um, Darius Burst and you've got those two massive like 50-inch screens to play on, it's lovely seeing what's coming from a long way away. I do like that in that game. It's a good game. I'm not very good at it. And... We haven't done a Darius actually, because there's a few single screen ones. Like, is it Darius G? Yeah, that's a, that's on the PlayStation. That's uh, came out later, but it's the first one in the series. I put it. So, the original Darius of 1997 in a canon is the second one. Then you've got Gaiden, and is Darius two. Yeah. So they took the number of screens down. They didn't do many free screen games. That was, I think, Ninja Warriors and original Darius for, for that one. You know, yeah. But Seeing it in, like you've been to Japan and, and Taito Hay, haven't you, to see that they've got the big yeah. screen and they've got several of them together. So it's great to see. But they're the Japanese cabinets as well, and they're different from the UK ones. And they're really nice looking because the Japanese ones, are, I think most most things you see in Japan are a little bit smaller. And they are smaller machines, even though they're, they're three 14 inch screens, they're a little bit smaller and they're just really, really cute. Yeah, really nice. But the, the, there's one of the Dariuses which is on Taito GNet hardware, because I've got it. I've actually got a GNet um, PCB, and it's been fixed, so you can you, you can put different games on. It takes compact flashcards uh, on a PCMCIA slot, and you can actually put different games in it. I did have that Darius on there. It's quite a nice game. It's sort of more, I think it is PlayStation hardware on that on GNet hardware, and it is quite a nice game. So and I think it emulates quite well in MAME, so we'll have to do one of those one day in the future. I've been thinking about games to do in the future, actually. I've been thinking lately to do some games that are sort of out of my comfort zone. And I've got a few lined up for some of the, the, the guest um, the guest podcasters I'm going to be doing it with as well. And I, I think they'll like them. We won't say any more than that for now. Um, Console-wise, big PC Engine fan, what's the best, best game on there, do you reckon? Gunhead is my favourite on there. I've flipped between Gunhead and Soldier Blade. They're both brilliant games. Yeah, they're really expensive to find on original Who card as well, aren't they? Yeah, getting there now. Yeah, I thought so. Getting there now. Good games. Have you got, you've got a, um, an EverDrive for your PC engine? Yeah, I have. I have. Excellent. I've got that. Right then, that's the introduction sort of done. But, but most people know you anyway. If they don't, they should listen to our GDS and listen to what you've got to say. But what have we been getting up to lately? Um, for me... Mainly sitting in a corner, rocking backwards and forwards, shouting, Sean gone! Sean gone! What am I going to do? Uh, but I have been in contact with Sean, and he's absolutely fine. He's doing well. Uh, I've added... You know, I do these Vectrex controllers. You probably saw them at the, the, the recent Revival. Around. Yeah, they're brilliant. And thank you. And we've been, I've been doing the joystick ones. I've got my own personal ones, which are sort of slightly different versions, or a bit of a prototype, or I've done something different before I did the production ones. But I added, this is a really silly thing to do, and I thought, someone's got to do it. It might as well be me. I'm an idiot. I added some underfloor UV light into one of my controllers. So it's got these little strip, like a sticky strip of LEDs under it, which are black lights. So they're, they're UV lights underneath it. So when you put it on like a white table or something, and you plug it into the, because it's all powered from the Vectrex, you know, nine pin D plug, and it, it shines, it sort of glows from underneath. It's ridiculous, but I quite like it. It's silly. Been making loads more of Asteroids and Space Dual Vectrex controllers. I've got, as I said earlier, I've got six. Just waiting for some buttons at the back, the little back buttons to, to come in to fix those and send them off to people. 
uh, getting parts together for the new range of Vectrex joysticks, which I just released pictures of just the other day on the Vectrex Fans Unite. It's sort of like an arcade joystick, a little box, same box as the Asteroids, which is like a, an arcade joystick in it, a Sanwa copy, proper Sanwa buttons, and some really nice overlays. The overlays for GCE, uh, MB, and the Bandai version. So people are asking for them already. They've gone mad from on the Vectrex Fans Unite forum. As we said, on revival on the 7th and 8th of March, I drove up to the Midlands, as you did. I drove down to the Midlands, and you were saying, on Saturday. I took my little Qbert cab in the back of my car. Uh, I also took the recently illuminated Vectrex joystick and uh, uh, another joystick I'm doing for our pal Whitney in America, a dual analog stick for everyone to look at. Uh, met up with Ross Ross and Lawrence Bennion, who's uh, big Vectrex fans. And Craig, the organiser of them, had his two two of his Vectrexes playing in there, and Ross brought one of his as well, with a bunch of impressive gear. I actually had a go of the 3D Imager. Have you ever had a go of that? No, I saw it there. It looked really good. From well, what people were saying, it was really it's good. It's good, but the one he's got is uh, a modern reproduction, and they're really nice, but it kept sort of sliding off my head a little bit as I was playing it, because I thought my head's either too big or too small or something, but the actual effect through it is really clever. It adds colour and 3D to the Vectrex. And when you try and work it out, you go, no, that doesn't work. How is it going to work? But when you hear it, it's like, that shouldn't work. And it does. It's really nice. And they're a nice effect. There's some great little games on it as well. We also tried out a bunch of Lawrence's excellent UV overlays. He's the guy who makes the UV overlays and, and the mirrored screens and all this sort of stuff. And along with the Clockwork Robot, James Watt's UV light frame, which I've got, they give the Vectrex an even more special look than you can imagine. It's really nice. And it's all this weird... Because I've got, I've just put one. I just installed my one the other night on mine, and it's like a, a, a half mirror over the screen with an, under, uh, an overlay under it, and then you put this other sort of bit on the light frame. So when you look at it, it looks like it's being mirrored, and so it looks like the vectors are all floating around. It's a really clever effect. I'm going to leave that one in there. Actually, my favourite one now. The other highlight of the event, actually, because uh, there's a few arcade machines there. I mean, there's a lot of Craig's machine, his own machine, some good ones there. I played Terra Crest. That's a nice little game to play. Uh, Rich Chunkson brought two of his uh, Blast Cities, his candy cabs. I had my Qbert there and some other stuff going on. But one of the other things, strangely enough, the highlights was um, playing a bunch of BBC B computer games, which is uh, Richard Broadhurst's actual own games. He had highlighted there, and he's got like he, I got him to get an arcade, a Sega Mega Drive arcade stick. Cause he's got an adapter that he makes for his BBCs, and I was playing this brilliant version of his Scramble. Did you manage to play it? I didn't get on that, unfortunately. You must have a BBC B computer. I have, yeah. Have you got the little sort of dongle that goes in the bottom of it you can put loads of games on, like an SD? No. It's not an SD card. I think it's an MMC. It's a very similar kind of thing. I'll hook you up with Richard about that. And you can have like nearly every game that's ever been released on the BBC, and it loads instantly. But his games are another level. And I was saying to Richard, and I meant it at the time, wasn't just trying to you know chum him up. If his games were released when the BBC was current, the BBC B computer would have been a bigger hit with kids for gaming. I mean, they would have been better than the Commodore 64 and the Spectrum. I know that's a big thing to say, and people are shouting at their earphones right now. But if you get to play Richard's games, he's done like Frogger, Scramble, Warlords, four-player Warlords as well. He's made a special adapter up so you can plug two lots of Atari paddles into it. So you can play four-player Warlords. He's done an emulated version of, I think... Asteroids or Space Invaders. He's done both both games anyway. He's basically redone a lot of arcade ports. And his Astro Blaster is amazing. It's, it's nearly spot on. It's got the speech, everything, and even the fonts look the same. They're so, so close. And he's in the middle of doing 
He's done Phoenix as well, which he never got around to finishing. He's done Scramble, which is a really, really good version. It's so accurate. I was just playing it and looping it and looping it because it's so close to the arcade, which I'm so used to. It's that good. It really is brilliant. But what really chuffed me as well, I was really pleased, I actually managed to kill screen one of his games. I was playing it, and I was, I was hoping to beat his score. You know, you beat my score, because I was playing with an arcade stick, so I had a bit of an advantage, so I was playing with it. And it got to the fourth level, and as we were playing, I was saying, oh, that's a little bit different there to the arcade. And he said, oh, yeah, I did it on purpose to do this. And you know, he's added little extra bits to it to add on to the gameplay, which is a great idea. And there's one bit, you know, as you go to the second part of the level where the, the yellow invaders go up and down in the sort of parabola, what he did after each level, and it was on level five, he added one to it. And for some reason, he'd never tested it that far. He'd added one too many. So what happened, when it got to the end of the screen, the left-hand side of the screen, was it scrolling, one came on the left-hand side. It didn't have enough room or something to get in the screen. I went, what's going on here? And it just yellow screened. It just crashed. I was like, oh my God, I kill screened it. It's just really, I didn't really. It was a bug. He was like, oh. He was like, he looked a bit dismal. I was like, I'm sorry I broke your game. He was like, oh, that's all right. And it was like, he was, you could see his little, little cogs in his mind floating around. And then he went, oh, I know what it is. I was like... Send send me the 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 new version when you've done it. It was like yeah, all right, okay, okay. But yeah, it's really really good. All, all actually, what I needed there was just Brian Coo to be running around going, "There's a kill screen going to happen. There's a scramble screen. There's a kill screen. The BBC happen." There's a potential Donkey Kong kill screen if you want to watch. Craig didn't let us down with the selection of arcade cabs too. It's quite a nice little selection there, all being played all the time. I especially liked. Um, he's got a little Terra Cresta cab, a little um, cabaret cab, and obviously I nearly nicked it. And I think I told Craig before I was going to steal it. So that's probably the only thing that stopped me from stealing because he'd know straight away what the cab's gone. I know it is. He'd be on the phone to me. But yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty good. Good little event. Your daughter managed to kick both of our asses on Street Fighter 2. <laughs> yeah. And I, she... wasn't, I wasn't letting her win. I was like, I'm, I'm going to embarrass her here because she thinks she's good. No, kick my ass hard. I was like... Oh, Jesus. I won one round. I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. So and I was like, how are her fingers moving that quickly? What's going on? And just kicked me ass and just looked at me. I was like, yeah, right. And walked off and off. Yeah, so did I. She, um, she's got a bar top. Yeah, um, I said that. I was like, yeah, you've been practising. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, it's all decked out because she likes Street Fighter. It's all got the Street Fighter wrap on it and everything. Yeah. And she was decidedly average at it, if I'm really honest. Wow. But one summer holiday... She decided to go online and um, kind of get the move list for Chun Li. Oh, and, I see. Um, and got it's, very good. It's those, it's those big it's, thighs on Chun Li, isn't it? She can do that massive kick real quick. Get her away from Chun Li and you'll take her. But yeah. On, I, I used Chun-Li. to use Chun Li a lot, and then because it was quite hard doing the fireball, where you go sort of you know one direction for two seconds, and then the other direction and, and punch. I couldn't quite get the hang of that at the timing, so I thought if I go for Ken and Ryu. I can do the sort of half move, you know, the sort of rounded moves for the the, yep. the the flame and the dragon punch and all that lot. So it's a bit easier to play. But I'm not very good at those. I like, I really like Street Fighter Three Third Strike. I love the art style and I love the music and everything about the game. I'm not that technical at it. I don't really. I'm not a. I think I think one of your guys, Rick's, really good at it, isn't he? He's good at the fighting games. He's, he's like he's like competition good. Yeah, he's on. He's just going on to Twin Galaxies with some of his scores and that. Really? Now. Wow. Yeah. Nice one. Uh, yeah, so I'm not that brilliant, but I do like them. I quite like Street Fighter 4, but with Street Fighter 4, I used to play that in the arcade in London before it went down. I think it was the old um, Electricoin arcade before they stopped it. And I used to get sweaty playing it. 
which is weird. I don't sweat very often. I used to play that and I come out and I'm like, I need a drink of water. I'm worn out. It just used to really wear me out. And I used to really enjoy playing it in there. And I've sort of played it. I, I think I've got it on Switch, but I haven't played it that often. I think I've got it when it's cheap. So I need to play a bit more because I've actually got an arcade stick for my Switch now and I haven't used it. I've had it almost a year probably and I haven't used the damn thing. The, the big red one? No, no. I've got a, it's a May May Flash one, is it? Is that the name of it? It's yeah. about 30 quid. It's quite a nice little thing because I, as soon as I got it, before I even used it, I took it apart. I put an octagonal restrictor in it. I think I swapped the buttons around as well. I was like, why did I even buy it? Why don't you just make one, for God's sake? It'd be easier. But yeah, I need to play that because I bought I bought a few arcade ports for the for the Switch. But I haven't really played I need to get into it because other things keep coming along. Luigi's Mansion 3 came along, took my time. And now I'm into the new Zelda game, which is absolutely gorgeous. I'm really enjoying that game. And apparently it isn't that long either, which is great for me because I don't like spending more than about 20 hours on games because it does take me a lot of period of gaming to play. I can't just play 20 hours in one go or, you know, even five hours in one go. I can sort of have an hour or two here and there. And if I've got like a long weekend or something, I'll I'll stay up late at night till two in the morning playing it. But yeah, I don't, I don't want to be playing. I recently listened to a podcast. I think it was the pixel hunt podcast. And one of their friends had been 3000 hours into a game. I think it was no man's sky. I was like, I would get bored of it. It doesn't make for my favourite game in the world. I get bored of it. 3,000 hours. That's just years of your life, isn't it? It is. I can understand it if it was like an MMO game. So I'm a big fan of World of Warcraft. I've got years invested in that of gameplay. Wow. But like you, I'd, I'd want uh, quite a short game so I could get onto yeah. a couple. Because like the favourite thing to do is when I go in the garage, because my, my arcade is sort of out in the garage, but it's, only, it's part of the house, but you've got to go out the front door unlock a padlock unlock a, a yale lock and go in there so if i'm going in there to grab something like you know get some wire to do some soldering or grab a tool or just you know get a board or joysticks or something i'll go in there and i'll oh, just a quick sneaky game of whatever you know maybe it's dig dug they're not that sneaky have a quick game of cuba or a quick game of you know berserk or something and it takes you like 10 minutes and then you, you sort of right i'm done now dinner time or about what you're doing but wife normally says to me you know you were just going to get a joystick how come you were 10 minutes i was like yeah. and she, yeah i know i know you're playing cuba I said, yeah yeah of course it was so yeah yes that is that also uh met with a lovely sean ah oh, sean he came on saturday with charlie fart and mr tronads in tow mr tronads was very impressed with star wars running on the vectrexes with lawrence custom star wars overlays actually it's got like the cockpit you sort of see in the arcade yeah all in UV as well. Because yeah. so if you put it on there, and you, there's two sort of spars along the middle of the screen which your sort of guns go into. And I was like, they're going to get in the way a bit, aren't they? And then when they turned the UV on, I was like, oh. It sort of just lit up. I was like, oh, that's why they're there. And it was really nice. And the, the I think the impressive thing about that on the, on the Vectrex, on a Vec Fever, is how quickly that thing moves. Because it's got, obviously, it's got some sort of co-processor in the cartridge. Because the poor old Vectrex, the 6809, wouldn't be able to shove stuff that quick. But it moves at an astonishing rate. And people were quite impressed with that. Also hanging out with uh, two other Northern Monkeys. Two-thirds of the Pixel Hunt podcast, Sol and Tiny Dan. And a bunch of us, later on, went out to the Beef Eater on the Saturday evening uh, to have a meal and sort of chat and stuff. It was good. Really, really good end to a good Saturday. On the Sunday, it was Tad Choir, as it usually is, and ends a bit earlier. I managed to convince Cosmic Vector, a Vector, a Vectrex friend of ours... Uh, to attend because uh, he'd, he'd been working like all night on something because he works in sort of like music and, and uh, sound and vision and he'd been doing some gig somewhere I think and he was quite tired he, he wasn't going to come and said you need to come mate it's gonna you're going to really enjoy this because he's mad absolutely crazy for vector stuff 
you know the vectrex is a religion to him he loves it and uh he came over and he was quite impressed with the uv stuff and, and the joysticks and he picked up a, a control he bought for me as well so yeah hopefully next time the next one the second part of it's in november in the same place hopefully everything will have settled down in the world by then and we can go and have a good time um but we're hopefully planning a, a larger vectrex turnout of the second one maybe get a room together and get some uv in there and stuff and some lava lamps and all that lot I'm sure hopefully we can do that. I'll be really into doing that. What was your thoughts on Sunday? Make sure you're only there for the Sunday. You can only get there for Sunday. Yeah, it's brilliant. I normally go and help on the Friday night for revival and spend a Saturday. But as we said, through the adverse retail environment, I actually yeah. couldn't get away on uh, the Saturday. So always revival on the Sunday. It's me and my daughter. Uh, I thought it was very good. I like the venue. But so it wasn't as crowded. So we, as you say, it's less crowded on the sunday yeah we played pinball i got beaten on i made in pinball as well by my daughter oh yeah she beat she, us on that as well didn't she i remember yeah. that yeah that's it rub it in rub it in yeah so she so she had a bit of a had a bit of a good weekend really yeah. with it the bit that, that got me it's great to see yourself darren king monkey ross ross oh, i didn't get to talk to king monkey I, saw him. I was gonna have a chat to him. i didn't get to see him damn it uh ex mosquito he was there oh yeah mark mark so i was going to get him to beat my daughter at um Everything. Street Fighter. <laughs> he was he was he was busy on um the Tetris. Yeah, because apparently uh, what happened is um a guy who knows how good Mark is, because Mark is world record holder in a load of stuff and he's particularly good at was it the Grandmaster Tetris? Yeah. One of one of the later ones, wasn't it? And this guy said, Oh, do would you mind if I went and got my PCB from home, would you mind putting a big score on it for me so I can sort of have a go at beating it? He went, Yeah, okay. And he brought it back in, and I saw him playing it and you don't even see, you know, when it gets to a stage on Grandmaster where you can't even see them dropping there so quickly. So all you've got to do is look at the next and then shift them when they've dropped and you've got a certain amount of time to shift them in place. He was doing that and it was just like, I just walked away again, just shake my head, going, no, no, that's, that's not possible. That's not humanly possible. And Mark's just a nice guy as well. He's a lovely guy. Nice to see him in action, actually. Uh, yeah, one day when we get him there again, we'll have to sort of bring some PCBs or, or an emulator or something. And sit him down and say, right, show us how to do Ghosts and Goblins or show us how to do this so you can sort of learn from him because he can do them easy. He's done he's done records like one-handed and stuff and crazy things like that. So he's a really talented player. Crazy. He is. So I thought it was, it was good just good food and drink. Yeah, but so you have, they have got another room where you can put your Vectrex in. Oh, the things that... Or the thing that I came away most impressed with was the Vectrex, the Vet Fever, and the UV overlay, because I don't really spend a lot of time with my Vectrex, it was like, oh, it, the scene has moved on. So I'm on the same Facebook group as yourself. Yeah. And, and do you think yeah, it has It's got on. to be. I think it's – I'm not really up to scratch on the other consoles, really, and the homebrew and the, you know, the sort of maker scene and, and the all that sort of thing with it. But the Vectrex, to me, is the one that's just gone up on leaps and bounds. For a 1982 machine – People are still making games for it. They're making peripherals for it. They're making add-ons. They're making their own cartridges. Even the cartridge shells are getting moulded and 3D printed. And we're making stands to sit them on their side and making these different overlays. It's just amazing. It's really, really good. And, and everything's getting better and better. And there's there's two cartridges coming out. One's already out, actually. It's being developed. It's open source. And there's another one. And one of them's got a, a Raspberry Pi in it. So that's going to be quite powerful. And the other one's got, you know, extra co-presser. I can't remember what it is now. Extra co-presser. So, so it's as good as the, the revered Vec Fever as well. 
or nearly as good. And they're all coming on. So, yeah, it's, it's a big thing. It's a nice thing to collect for as well, because if you are a collector like yourself and you like the, the trinkety things, people are going so far now where they're, they're not just making a game, they're making a game on a cartridge, and then the cartridge is in, in a proper clamshell box, and it's got its own overlays, and it's got instructions. It's, they're going the full hog on it, and it's a really nice thing to do. And they're so professional as well. It's just sort of gone on from where it was. It's nice. I like it. Yeah, and that was... Um, that's what else I've been up to. Recording the best game of 1987 yeah. um, over at RGS with Rick, Paul and Kingy, which I think is with my most divisive show. You'll hear it when, it when it comes out. We couldn't agree on, on much. Did you pull really. rank on him in the end? <laughs> I went, no, it's definitely our type. Uh, we, Damn it. We, we grew through some we put in that we put in that people just didn't like. We knew on our on a messenger group, it's going to be two versus two on it. There's a oh. game called Warden by Tire Plan, which is a platformer. Yes, yeah, a good one. Yeah. Gordon and Paul, oh, what they had to say about it is absolutely comical. Me and Rick like it. Gordon and Paul. Oh, I, I haven't it. heard it yet. I've just I've just got through the RGDS one on the arcade gems where Paul was talking about his gems. And he doesn't half bang on about racing games, doesn't he? He loves them. We take him to the arcade club and it's Just like sit him on outrun that'll do him for the night he's, he's on Daytona outrun he will he will play all the time Ridge Racer or Buggy Boy but he finished Buggy Boy Buggy Boy the other time we're up there so really pleased with him that he's been trying to do that for a couple of years I did like that on the Commodore 64 that's a good version on the 64 I remember playing that yeah but drivers never because I'm one of these weird kind of kids at the time I suppose there's a lot of people like myself um, I was never really into cars as a kid. You know, people had the Lamborghinis on the wall and the Ferraris and all this sort of stuff, and they were always oogling at cars and stuff. And I just couldn't really be bothered with it. And then, obviously, they left school and college and got a, you know got a crappy old car and learned to drive straight away. I didn't learn to drive till I was 27. And that was only out of necessity because I had a young family. and I, I, It was just like, I, I need to be able to get around now with all these kids and stuff. So I, I need to learn to drive. And I just never really bothered me. And then now I've got like a... A very standard car-shaped car. I've got a, a Volkswagen Golf. It just does the job, and it's it's not fancy at all. It's it, I got it from new. It's like four years old now, and it's great. But I don't sit around polishing cars and, and watching Grand Prix and all that. I've never been into it. A car to me is A to B. So that's, as long as it does it comfortably and it's a decent stereo, I don't care. I'm the same really with car. I've got a different car now, but I'm not overly um, interested in. But racing game wise, arcade club initial D. Is a game I play. I really like. Is that because it's very Japanesey, and that's your 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 jam? No, I just I like the game. I like the drift element of it, and yeah. it's. In, I suppose it's because it's not a, a, a track as such. I think yeah. I like it. Because you, know, you called Crazy Taxi driving game, and I really like that. I really like Crazy Taxi. It's a brilliant game. Uh, yeah, but the actual the actual races where you sort of racing into the cars, maybe pole position, and maybe a bit of a ridge race, even. I like to put my foot down and steer. That's me. That's me driving. I don't want to be going slowly around corners and stuff. I just want to go like hell for leather and that's it. And that'll do me. I like the older ones, like Continental Circus and Final Lap. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're pretty good ones, I suppose. So, uh, another thing I've been doing, actually, flipping Vectrex again. It's Vectrex mad at lately. I, I, made, I did some um, buzz off mods because, you know, famously, the Vectrex has a really bad buzz. As soon as you turn it on, it makes a horrible noise. It's You can get kits for them, and they're quite expensive, about $45 to get a kit, which is like a solderless kit. 
So if you, you've never picked a soldering iron up in your life, that's what you want to buy. Seriously, you want to buy that thing. But if you know how to use a soldering iron and you're not worried about opening the Vectrex up and snipping a few wires, look out at my video. It shows you really easily how to do it. Hopefully I did a good job of telling people how to do it easily and simply. It costs you about a pound for a little amp, a little bit of wire, a bit of solder. It's very, very simple. A couple of screwdrivers. What you say, what you say is very, very simple is on another level to probably most of the people listening to the show. Yeah. Well, very, very actually, tricky. actually, I've had quite a few people say, oh, you know, thanks for the video. I'm going to have a go at it. And I, I sort of point out the potential dangerous parts. But if you've had the thing off and you don't touch certain parts, absolutely fine. No problem at all. So if you want to, if you're thinking about modding your Vectrex to make it less buzzy. I'm covered in bees. Have a look at the video. I've put the link on the show notes. Someone have a look at it. Hopefully they will, and hopefully they'll get less buzz out of it. I did three of them, and I didn't do one wrong. So if I can do it, anyone can do it, honestly. Uh, another thing that's uh, we're unsure at the moment about the UK VAC meet up in May. Not sure what's going on with that at the moment because of what's going on. Hopefully, if it's going to be closed off, it'll be done later in the year. I do hope because I was really looking forward to that one, but everyone needs to be healthy. Can't help it. Um, but I'll have to hear from Alex. As soon as Alex tells me what's going on with it, I shall I shall put notes out on Twitter and stuff and on here and things. And there was another meeting, uh, a little meeting, a little private one, uh, Chris Parsons' house, but I presume that's going to be stopped as well. You know, we've got to be healthy and keep our distance at the moment just until it, it rides over. Yeah, our social distancing, which is quite hard to do. It's, it's very new for us, isn't it, being yeah. so far away from people and... Yeah. Not standing next to people, not shaking hands, but it's like not spreading things, and our health is the top of the list at the moment. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Arcade news. Uh, not so much uh, on the arcade news at the moment, because Sean used to do the arcade news, and I've not really noticed much going on at the minute, actually. Just, I think the news at the moment, in general, and in our in our circles, is everything's cancelled you know or, or postponed because of what's going on in the world but yeah um, anything going on with you mate news kind of a, um kind of arcade related is there's a cave shop opened up online um, oh it's got okay a good, good supply of t-shirts i'll, I'll give you the, the links we've got in the show notes nice um it's, it's don't often get uh cave merchandise and there's a container pop-up shop or uh, until the 23rd in akabra that has got Ooh. some good arcade-related merchandise to it. Nice. And it's different, yeah. They, they do quite a lot of pop-up stops. I put some of my pickups we'll do in a minute. And I know Pearly listens to the show, and I guess there'll be some others who, who arcade guys who listen to the show know about it. There's an online smut competition Ooh. called La Chalice Cup, and the third one is just on its uh, sign-up phase, and that starts in April where I believe we'll play eight games and we will put post our scores. We'll go into teams and there's like be a team ranked in the team composition and individual as well. So you'll get points for every game you play. Really good guy who runs it. And when you, you take part, it's really good. But Pearl was in the last one. Right. I'm going to ruin it for everyone now, but I'm going to tell personally Mark X Mosquito and Charlie Fire about this competition, and you lot haven't got a chance anymore. Sorry, but I'm going to do it. I'm a, I'm a big humbug for that. Ah. So I, I'll tell you, I have told Mark about it when we were at, at Revival. Yeah. However, as good as he is, and he will absolutely do it, there are many people of his level 
yeah. take part in it. So there's some, yeah, some of the the best players in the world. So some of the guys who do. Oh, is it worldwide as well? It's worldwide. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So get Pete Han on the case and stuff like that. Um, who do, like, who, who do the exhibition runs at Stunfest? Like Gus, I think he's going to be on it, and he's like one of only three people who can do uh, Finnish Vitari. Um, 1.5 version so wow. it's got some amazing players some of the scores at the very top are like oof. yeah uh, I, I tell you what that would be interesting to, to monitor them actually because a lot of the people who, who sort of move in our circles are UK obviously based I know a few people in America are good players and stuff like this as well but do you get Japanese players on that as well because usually they sort of stay out the loop don't they they've sort of got their own thing going on in Japan I mean, and I a couple um, of, of Japanese players but not the top ones but there's been a bit where another podcast Electric Underground where even there's a scoring trick on Battle Garage but where Battle Garage? Yeah on Battle Garage they haven't the Japanese players wouldn't look, work let on how they're getting it but that's been a bit in a, in swap circles that's been a bit of um, a bit of controversy over the last month or so but wow. I think that's um, sorted out but that's all the, the news I've but we'll put the link to the competition anyone who's interested in it can can have a look. You don't have to be an Uber player like me. I didn't do that well last time, but um, I've got this gaming PC under my desk because I'm a Mac. Yeah, as you should be, Mac as you boy. should be. So I bought this gaming PC. Uh, it was second hand, but it's got like a good graphic. It's quite a good spec. And um, I need to set it up to play MAME for the competition, but I, I'm not a fan of emulation. So the, the games on the competition, are they just arcade games? Are they doing um, consoles as well? Generally arcade games. Okay, as it should be. As it should and there's, be. um, there might be a couple in the categories of it, but I think on the last one they were um, all arcade games from like Twin Cobra uh, was on it, Gallagher 88, and it will go up to some of the cave games. There's Dangan Feveron was on it last time, one of the games like Dangan Feveron. Yeah, I just don't get that. The disco. Disco ball of smups that is. Don't get on a bit at all. It's mad, isn't it? It's a mad game. You just got people flying around the screen. What's going on? Recent pickups. Right, I've actually got someone on the podcast who can rival my pickups, and and you're probably going to go over my head with this because you've got millions of them. But I have not so many arcade ones for me as usual. Not so much anymore. I sort of gone a bit quiet on the pickups because uh you know i've got enough really so uv frame from a vectrex from james g watt jim and that enables the awesome uv overlays from lawrence uh floaty half mirror mentioned earlier i got a vectrex game when i was talking about the vectrex homebrew sim there's a vectrex game come out called minex and it comes on a cart only but it's like a a, a numbered cart can't remember what number mine is but it's a good little game it's, it's like minefield the built-in game for vectrex but it's sort of more like a scrolly game, and it sort of rotates around you like like uh, Time Pilot, but with minefield That's games. Good. It's a good little twist on the game. It's quite good. Quite like that one. It's only twenty five quid as well, so it's not not a bad That's price good. at all. SD card from Matt Neo MK, which you gave me at Revival, and it's got a GPI image on it. You got a GPI case, didn't you? For your I have. Do you play it a lot? A little bit, yeah. It's just there. It's, it's the one I play. Mine's in my little little pouch just there, and I play it in bed sometimes. It's quite good, because the battery lasts on it for ages. It's really good. And I went back to playing a lot of old Game Boy, you know, original Game Boy games. And I actually played Super Mario Land, because it was an easy game to play, and I picked it up and nearly did it the first guy out of it. I know it's quite an easy game, but I really enjoy playing it again. And I got into Balloon Kid, and yep. I played my first ever 
Kirby game. I'd never played a Kirby game before until I had to go on there. And they're quite amusing, actually. I know there's loads of them. People get into them. It's one of the canon. But, yeah, I never played one of them before. I got into it. So I've got a new image for that. I'm not even sure. So I haven't had a look at it yet. But it's a, I think it's like a 32 gig image. There's a lot of stuff on there. Loads of stuff on there. I've got a lovely Vectrex poster. A couple of posters, actually, from Lawrence. And the Half Mirror UV. Um, I've got some super cheesy, cheesy cheese from Ross. Ross, Ross, Ross. Because he does this fantastic stickle. It's, it's a bit too strong for my liking. But when you put it in stuff, it's amazing. And it's it lovely cheese. stinks as well. <laughs> do not take it out of the wrapper in your car, whatever you do. It stinks. I also, this is one arcade pickup. I bought a puzzled NVS cart, Neo Geo game. It's very like Tetris, but you've got to free these little um, balloons that are sort of floating around inside the Tetris box. You've got to get rid of the lines to free it. It's basically a Tetris game. It's really cutesy. And... I've also got Puzzle Bubble. I've got someone, someone's got a Puzzle Bubble cart for me as well because I have got a little MVS motherboard. I don't really play with it because I sold my cartridges aging. I'm not really into that many Neo Geo games. But I'm I'm working on a Sub-Electro Isis cab at the minute, which is in the front room, that I'm going to put my Mr. Driller games in. I've got Mr. Driller 1, 2, and Driller G. But it's, it's a joystick, like a four-way joystick and one-button game. So I'm going to put the MVS setup in there with some puzzle games. So I'm going to put Puzzle Bubble, which is probably the best puzzle book game ever made for me, apart from Tetris, and uh, Puzzled in there. So I can play those two, just swap the, the jammer connector over and off we go. So what have you got then? What have you got? So I picked up, I've got Spectrum Next. Have you is... played it yet? Uh, no. Still in the box? It's in the box. Is it going to stay in the box because you've played enough Spectrum in your life? I, I want, I'll get it out. It's on the list of things... That I'm going to play, it's it's fairly down there. That I, I sounds the, like a slow no to me. <laughs> it could be. I, I think I'm going to wait until I get the games like Warhawk and Baggers in Space. So if I get the two games I've looked at, I'll yeah. play them on it. Have, have they all come out now, those Because I know those are going, they're going to be commercial games, aren't they? Yeah, so the pre-orders are just just wound up on, on forums for that. How much are the games, by the way? How much are the games going for? Because I know they're, they're, they're developed by homebrewers. I think some are going for 10, some are 15, but the price is that's good. That's a good price. Yeah, that's very good. Very good. So I've got one of those. I've got from Revival for Lemmings on the Philips CDI. Oh, why did you do that to yourself? So I've got, uh, I haven't got many CDI, I've got a few CDI games. But I've got Bang & Olsen Telly upstairs that's got the CDI. Oh, uh, right, I see. built into it, so... As I can't be bothered to go and look in the loft for CDI games, I bought that from Revival, so at least I can play with that. I've got a new um, Vic Viper model from Japan. That is for the Gradius Four model of Vic Viper, so yeah. that goes with the model collection. But I haven't had too many pickups here, so I've got some of bits from Japan. I've got, I've also got for Switch the Sara collection, which is a smart collection. Oh yeah. Um, that's come out it's got three games on so on physical media obviously on physical media for for the switch i've got some bits from a pop-up shop in toto hay which is darius like a darius bag and some other darius memorabilia they had out and i've got a for the cave game kitsui i got a crystal cube of the the Ooh. when you kill a boss the closer you get to it they'll drop a cube and um it'll like have a number from one till five so i've got one of those that was only sold at the Tokyo Game Show, but I managed wow. to get a second-hand one of those from the kind of a Japanese version of Gumtree. Really nice one. That's good. Listener feedback. 
Still a bit of feedback. There's not much. I think I think everyone seems to think because uh, Sean's gone, uh, it's going to stop. And not many people have feeded back, or I've just missed it. And Sean was good at picking up. I don't know. Evoga. First of all, thank you, Sean, for all the episodes of entertainment. I will miss your input into the show. I don't know how both of you kept up the podcast and website with no income for all your hard work. I hope Victor finds a way at least to make some money to help with the running of the podcast. Nope, I pay for it myself. It's, a, it's not a lot of money, don't worry. Uh, or even turn it into a Vectrex podcast if that brings you more enjoyment. I love the episode, and now I want even more a multi a Vectrex and a multi-cart, as you should do, sir. So this is from uh, Bill Kendrick. Sean, it's been a joy listening to you and Vic buffooning about old arcade games. Thanks for all you did, and I guess all you do too, Victor. Yeah, I know, Bill. Oh, yeah, I guess you as well. Yeah, cheers, Bill. Thanks. <laughs> uh, Robotech. Sorry to hear about Sean taking a break from podcasting in the latest Tempe podcast, but also understandable. You guys have got great chemistry and actually made me laugh out loud on more than one occasion. Hopefully, Victor, you continue the podcast in some form, and as a lot of the good arcade podcasts I used to listen to have now finished, now with my 10 hours commuting every week, I get through quite a few. Oh, this is from Benson Rad. Thank you for all the episodes you have done. Sean, you'll be much missed, but totally understand. Vic, hope you carry on. Maybe you have guests on each edition. It does not have to be every two weeks. Hope to catch you at the UK back event. Cheers. Benson Rad, listener number four. Uh, it might be a bit difficult catching us up on those uh, new things, yeah, but we will definitely meet again in the future, of course. I Put it this way. I'm, if, if it kills me, I'm going to do 150 podcasts. It's, we're on 148 now. I've got another two to do, and I can die happy. So at least another two. We'll see how it goes. Uh, the last one is Deadlock. Hey, Sean Holly. Thanks so much for the shout-out on the last podcast. I'm delighted to be able to help out in any way I can. Hope you're keeping well and enjoying your retirement, or should I say sabbatical. Friendly shout-outs. Now, we must sh- shout out to Mr. Craig Turner, who is the main event organiser of Revival, who is actually coordinating the event with the rest of his team uh, from a hospital bed. His team weren't in the hospital bed with him. He's on his own. But he was having some uncomfortable things. He's okay. Nothing serious, but uncomfortable. I hope you're feeling better by now, son. Uh, all the guys who I was hanging out with at a Revival, especially new chump Lawrence Benion. It was lovely to meet him in person. Uh, I met up with some of the Retro Asylum guys, you, uh, your daughter, Sean, Tronads, Charlie Farr, loads of people. Everyone, give them a ping. Uh, it's always a pleasure to meet up with Ross Ross, uh, Richard Broadhurst, the, the Gill Brothers as well, Cosmic Vector, Chunks In, everyone. Give them another ping, for goodness sake. Also, obviously, a pleasure to see Sean again. And we will keep seeing him and keep meeting him. I'm keeping in contact with him as we speak. I was talking to him today, actually. Uh, yeah, so hopefully get him back before long, but hopefully he can get himself some chill time and get some gaming in. Yeah, and it's really important for him to take some time for himself out. Too right. Now. He needs to play some more games, that boy. Yeah, tow a plan all the way for Sean. You yeah. go, Sean, in your face. Probably. <laughs> Oh, the moment you've been waiting for, son. Arcade Master Quiz. Oh, yeah, this is this is uh, right about this. You sound worried, and you, I can see you, and you look worried. <laughs> it's okay. You, know, you are retro shmupper. No pressure. If you Clearly don't get not. at least nine Clearly. of these out of ten, you're in trouble, and you will be but sacked. The problem is, I've been listening to, really listen to your show. You and Sean have been getting bloody good at the quizzes. It's it's a bit bit scary. I think it's it's not knowledge. It's more nerdiness than knowledge that's going on. You know, right then, sir. Arcade master quiz. 
Question one. What is the suffix name of Capcom's 1941? Bauer Kai. No. Must hurry you. <laughs> I can't think. Is it no? It was, Kai is 43, isn't it? It is, but you don't get a point for that. No. That's not what I asked you. <laughs> Give up? Yep. Counterattack. You're kicking yourself. I knew you'd, you'd known that one. Yeah. Question two. What company made Asuka and Asuka? Is that Taito? Yes. Let me just write down somewhere you got one right. Correct. <laughs> That's the only one I'm going to get right. I'm going to remember that. Question three. What game is Solvalu a sequel of? Xevious. Yes. And for a bonus point, what hardware is it on? Oh, don't know that. It is Namco System 21. I believe that's PlayStation hardware because it's a sort of three pseudo 3D game. Question four. Who released the first Truxton game? So it's made by Tire Plan. Yeah, I didn't ask that. Oh, I'm thinking, was it? I have to take your first answer. Compile. No, Taito. No. Oh, it was as well. Oh, yeah. I bet you were thinking that. Question five. What hardware does Dimahu run on? Don't know. It is Capcom CPS2 hardware. I've never got that. And for yep. a bonus answer, name one of two other games in the same series as Dimmer Who. Nope. Uh, Saucer nope. Striker or Kingdom Grand Prix? I've got those on um Oh, typical. Sun- you should have known. Question six. What year was Grindstormer from Toa Plan released? Is it 93? I was, I was going to say, I'll give you a year either way. Correct, in 92. Question seven. Who made Armed Police Batrider? Rising. And? 18. Yes, both of them. It's uh, Rising stroke 18. Question eight. What is Zaxxon in the game Zaxxon? The ship. No, the boss. Which is? The isometric head. It's a robot, but I'll let you have that oh. one. Here's the boss at the end. Question nine. Was Volgus ever ported to the Xbox? The original it's on a Xbox. Compilation. Yes, well done, son. Proud of you. That's exactly what I got here. Last question. With a bonus. What company made Viper Phase 1? And I'll give you two bonuses if you do certain things. Oof. You would have run out of time normally. Yeah, yeah, I'm out of time on that one. Saibu Kohatsu. And what what was Saibu Kohatsu's best game? Raiden. No, Raiden 2, sorry. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) So you got... Very poor. Five out of ten. That's more than I thought I was going to get, so I was quite happy with that. <laughs> You're sacked. Indeed. <laughs> they were quite hard questions, I must admit. I'll and go back to set a toilet roll. For future podcast co-hosts, they're going to get harder. And here is a word from our sponsor. Step ahead with a Pace 
Pizza's delicious chewy spearmint that's peppermint striped for two mint freshness. Be surprised by stripes of peppermint. Step ahead with a pizza, pizza Peppermint striped for two mint freshness. When you were a kid, did you have pacers? Remember? Yeah, them? I, yep. They have a sister ad, so when I looked at it online, to Opal Fruits, but they, were, they used to be next to them, but they were minty. They were nice. Yeah, green stripy things. I'm not sure if listeners in other countries had pacers, but they were like Opal Fruits, which I think is Starburst everywhere apart from 1983 when they changed the name, whatever it was. Peppermint stripe for two mint freshness. Mm. Peppermint and spearmint. Yes, the best mints. Feature game review. We are doing our featured game review now, and because it's some simple old games, I chose, I elected to do two, which was bad news because I had a lot of work to do to work out what was going on with them. First game we're going to do is Galaxy Wars. Uh, Galaxy Wars is actually from Taito and distributed by Universal in 1979, but some places are reporting the other way around. Universal licensed it to Taito for Japanese distribution, but to me, seems unlikely as it was Taito 8080 hardware, which were. Um, Space Invaders was on, and they were already big in Japan. They had their own licensing and distribution in Japan anyway, so I got a feeling Universal licensed it off of them. It's a vertical-oriented game with a two-way joystick, left and right, with one button, which launches your missile as well as speeds it up if held down. Uh, a Space Invaders hardware game, which I call it, which is Taito 8080 three-layer PCB. So 8080 was the uh, processor. Same hardware as the other game we're doing in this show, Balloon Bomber. Uh, and good old Space Evaders and a similar game to this, Lunar Rescue, all used the same classic hardware. They're both black and white and colour versions of the game. The Universal one is in colour. In all the flyers and on MAME at least it's in colour. And it sounds just like this. On MAME. But... We know that MAME estimates sound sometimes, not perfect emulation, especially with Space Invaders hardware. They just sort of lump them all together. And as the sound was uh, TTL generated on the original game, I think MAME just uses samples, and I think they do this with a lot of those older games. But I found a video on YouTube with someone running a Mr. Core, which is like hardware emulation, and it sounds like this. A lot better, I thought. There's more ex sort of real explosions. But until I get to find a Galaxy Wars machine, I'm unsure of what the sound actually sounds like because they're so old games and they're so difficult to get the sound hardware running. I think we'll have to sort of suck it and see on that one. It's a single vertical screen game where you control a missile base at the bottom of the screen and you must avoid meteors and attack aliens at the top of the screen. Having your missile hit a meteor or being hit by an alien's shot loses one of your missiles. A hit on an alien gives you another missile, so you don't run out of your three missiles from the bottom. Now, this is from the flyer, right? How to play Galaxy Wars. Number one, and they've, they've highlighted these and they're showing this off, right? Score display. Six-digit display. Zero to 999,950. However, high your score may be, it is certainly displayed. <laughs> certainly displayed I got a feeling this may have been translated from Japanese uh, UFO number two a mysterious fleet of armed UFOs appears suddenly from a different dimension they assault you by bombing 
They don't, though. They don't bomb you at all. What's that about? Missile. The only arm for the Solar System Defense Forces. Depress the fire button and a missile will be launched. The missile's speed will increase when depressing the fire button continuously. Control the missile sideways by handling the lever so as to assault the UFOs while dodging meteorites and bombs. Number four, meteorites. Meteorites drifting in the battle space. At the start of the game, there are five meteorites. They increase one by one as each pattern is erased. A maximum of 32 meteorites appear. Score, 50 to 550 points for a UFO. There is a bonus chance of 600 points for one pattern. Number six, launching pads. Three launching pads are available, alterable to two to five pads by controlling the dip switches. Seven extra. A launcher appears per 3,000 additional points, alterable to 5,000 points by controlling the dip switches. Eight, message. Now, this is a funny one. While playing the game, messages appear on the screen. Good. Very good. Wonderful. Fantastic. Give up. Now, I've only had one of these come across the screen. I think it's after about level five or something. It just says... Now, this they, they've gone on about this in the advert, right? In the, in the bump. It just says, good, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, in a standard font in the middle of the screen. That's what you get for being good. The word good. <laughs> it's pathetic. Why, why are they... I know it's 1979, right? And people weren't expecting much from a video game. But the word good to be printed on the screen... That's a bonus, is it? Well, well worth your 10p. And the last one, nine, credit. The number of credit games is displayed. Games are countable up to 99 games. I've got 99 games. Bit of ain't one. And I've got a picture of the, um, the, the, the rest of the flyer here, the Galaxy Wars, which is, it's a really fantastic looking flyer. It's really 70s. I love it. We'll talk about that later on when we talk about the cab, actually. Tips and secrets of the game. Uh, more points for smashing an alien right in face. As centre as possible. It's a risk-reward element because it's un- it's usually when you get an alien missile right up your nose. So what you do, you, you avoid their fire at the last second, go into the middle of the alien. So if you hit them on the side, you only get 50 points. And if you get them right in the middle, you get much higher points for it. Did you manage to work that one out for yourself? Yeah, after a while, well, I didn't understand it at first because I was glancing. I was yeah. taking the easy route out, just side-glancing. Yeah, because when the I aliens. first played it, I played this ages ago, because when we did Space Launcher and also Lunar Rescue, which is a similar kind of game where you go up the screen, but one of them you go back down the screen again. And we were, I played this then, and I've got it on ver- different versions, and I sort of played it when, oh, it's boring, just got to hit the things at the top. And then when I played it recently, before I did this, it worked out on the podcast, I went, oh, actually, there is a bit of, yeah, you've got to sort of do this and get a bit closer, and it makes it a little bit more of an interesting game. But yeah, once you work out, you get bigger scores. For, and as you, you progress through the game, the scores really ramp up, and so your scores get a lot higher. So the score in the first rack, or the first level, uh, 50 points, as you said, for a side hit, uh, 100 bottom towards the one side, or 150 near the middle of the bottom of it for each ship. And then second rack, 100 on the side hit, 200 for the bottom towards the side, or 250 near the middle. And it goes up to, I think it's said in the instructions there, or in the, the, the flyer, 550 points and I was getting them at the end of my games when I was playing because I got reasonable at it so I was getting some good points there but the 600 point bonus it says about for a pattern I couldn't work out how to trigger that and I did actually ask Charlie Farr in a private message if he works out how to do it and I think it might be just random so I, I think it's random because yeah. I've had it on the first level on the bottom row of aliens and on 
Yeah. The so I was trying to work out whether you got hit the, the top row before the bottom row or take one out and then go left, left, left every time or just or right. And it, it never really worked. It was sort of random. So maybe it's just random. They didn't really say. I bet you it was a bug and they just decided to call it a feature. <laughs> so, oh, we just hit 600 for something. Yes, just call it a feature. Uh, it's standard Space Invaders hardware, as you know. Sound is bloops and explosions, um, but sounds are just samples in MAME. And I prefer the original sounds from the Mr. Core that I found on that. I'll put a link to the YouTube video to so listen to it. The colour version, the Universal release in their upright cab, is a usual eight basic colour palette, uh, almost like the Spectrum colour palettes. So you've got your cyan, your magenta, yellow, white, blue, all that sort of stuff. And also, on the actual arcade version, I think it was a black background. Yeah, it was. And every other sprite is a different colour. So the black and white version, obviously just black and white with, with overlays, I think it was on, the, on the, the Taito cocktail cabinets. However, Universal dressed this one up of a beauty of a cab. They used their standard upright curved sided cab, which they use for a lot of their games, with white sides and front, or with swirly red graphics and a spaceship on the front lower portion of the cab. It's got a very colourful screen bezel around the screen and a full colour backsplash, which was actually illuminated as well. Uh, It's sort of at the back of the cab above the monitor. The cab is almost the same as Cosmic Gorilla, which I know Alex has got, uh, also by Universal. I love these cabinet shapes and artwork of these early Universals because they're sort of really, they're sort of like um, prog rock album covers, almost kind of thing, sort of swirly, sort of fantasy art graphics really really nice and this one is no exception it's lovely in red and white as well it's got it's got gal axi war ers on the on the marquee it's sort of like split in the middle really nice looking cab i don't i must have played one when i was in um fun spot in america because they've got a big row of universal games together but i can't remember for the life of me what the sounds are like on it that's what i'm interested in now and out they're different on main lovely looking cab though it's nice uh trivia uh, on the 1979 flyer for Galaxy Wars, Universal has a clown spinning on top of a ball. This was the character used in their most famous game, Mr. Do. They must have used old Clown and Clownface as their mascot logo even before Mr. Do was even invented in 1982. That was three years before they were using the clown as their logo. And it is hilarious that the flyer shows off the basic congratulations screens in full. They actually show screenshots of good, fantastic, give up. I think if you get no points at all, it says give up. What a, what a crap thing to do to someone who can't play the game properly. Wow, look at those fonts, though. Just fonts. Now, we've got some scores here. At the very bottom of the uh, the table, which is unusual, Red Horse. Ed Horse, 750 points. Boom Go Pinball, 1150. <laughs> Blowing up pinballs left, right and centre, yeah. that lad. Andrew Driver, 1650 points. Uh, Vigilante, 1850. J Ping, or J Ping. 2,650 points. Uh, then it's me, uh, 2,750. Just a minute. For such a low score, I'm going to just give you a... A little hoot. Hoot, hoot. Paul McCaskey, 2,000... Oh, same score as you, 2,750. Rob M. Craft, 3,440. DNO, 4,150. Mr. Messi came in at 5,100. Old Man Steve, 5,350. Z Stora... 5,550. Mark Happy Dude, 6,000 dead. Brian Haribo, 6,150. And What No Gravy and El Meepo scored the same as well, 6,150. Neil, 20 to 5, uh, 8,000. Tronad, 8,300. 
One Punch Rob, 8,800. Ah, Sean, 9,150. Still putting the scores in that, lad. He's a good man. Ian Cullen, 9,800, and he calls it Galaxy Woes. Ooh, nice pun. Uh, Sal Buglarissi, our friend from America who likes rubbish games, 11,800. Kind of fun. Like it. Uh, Your good self here at 15,000 points. That's a ping there, isn't it? Do you know what? I got really excited because when I put that score in, I looked at the scores that I already had at the time, which was earlier in the week. I was like, oh my God, I've won. Because I think Charlie Fire only had 12,950. And as listeners, sharp-eared listeners can hear already, I haven't read his name out yet, so he's got better at it. And when I find out what his actual score was, I said a very rude word with four letters in it. <laughs> so 10 Shearers has beaten me by 15,000... No, he's got 15,950 points. Croco, 17,000. Uh, Steve Tyke, 20,200. And at the top of the shop, so Mr. Charlie Farr, <sighs> of a lot of space between him and second at 28,950. He almost doubled my score. I was quite happy beating the damn bloke. And then when I actually looked at his score later on, I was like, oh, he's nearly doubled my score. How surprising. Yeah, but I I came in not bad from you know, six games, well. six down. But um, I'm quite happy I beat Tronads and Sean. Ha ha ha! In your face! Ports and Seagulls in this game. Uh, it came out on the Snares, the BBCB, but that's not the same game. It's a common name, Galaxy Wars, and the X68000. The X68000, Japanese computer, it looks like a fan translation by someone or a, or a company called Tiny Tomo. I don't know if they're an actual company or it's just a certain person. It looks very basic. Obviously, the game is basic, but functional, and the sounds are spot on. Colour is a little bit weird on it. A lot of pinks and violets going on. And the nose of the missile of your of your ship is really bulbous. For some reason, they made a massive round nose on it, like a clown's nose. Now, this is a bit weird, I thought. It came out on the SNES. A 1979 game came out on a 90s console. It was a bit of a weird one to port in, in, on the SNES in 1995, but everyone at the time wanted like almost like 3D pseudo and all that kind of jazz going on, lots of sprites and sprite scaling and that. Uh, I think it only came out in Japan. You can choose, as lot as these uh, these games came out on the consoles, you can choose colour or black and white version or a zooped-up version called the Neo. The Neo version adds a little bit to the game, which is what commonly they did back then, just to make the game a little bit better, because it was a 1979 game, granted. Uh, it gives you a nice colour background, as well as improving graphics and sound. You also get a few additions to the gameplay. You can pick up meteors on the point of your missile as it flies up. So if you get them right in the centre, you can pick them up. And you can use them as a shield to their fire. And when you take out the first alien, it disappears. So you kill that one. And then you take out the second alien with your ship, like normal. So it's got a bit of element to it. And I tried doing it, and it is quite difficult getting them right in the middle. If you just get it one pixel off, it kills you. Did you have a go of that version on the SNES? No, I looked at it on YouTube, yeah. the, the colour version of it. I only played it on an emulator. I couldn't be bothered to get me SNES out to have a go of it. I think I have actually got the ROM on my EverDrive, but I played it on an emulator. And it's quite a nice little version, actually. It looks pretty good. But a, a weird game to be in in 95. And maybe it's just to, maybe it's for the older players in Japan who played it a lot in the arcades in the late 70s. I don't know. That's a bit of demand for it, to release it as a, a proper release back then. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it did well. I don't know. But it has got the extra little games on it as well, so maybe that sort of added a little bonus to it. The original versions of the game seem a bit flat compared to the original. I don't know why. They just seem a bit sort of dull. Maybe because you haven't got the special sound effects and all that sort of stuff. 
And the animations of the meteors seem even simpler than the 1979 arcade version, so I don't know how they managed that. There is also a special port to the Vectrex by Binary Star software, Chris Binary Star. This was done on the same cart as Space Launcher. Uh, Chris Malcolm, aka Chris Binary Star, made these games after I, I asked someone on the podcast when we did that game if someone could make it for the Vectrex, and he did, like within a week, which is mad. For a special request by yourself to get it made. Yeah. So to improve on this game and the conclusion, it's such a simple game. There's nothing really to to improve on. I don't think it's quite it's quite a nice relaxing game. It's not as involved as Lunar Rescue or the slightly superior, in my opinion, Space Launcher, but a similar game with a more relaxed pace to it. What, what do you what do you think of it, mate? Did you enjoy it? I did enjoy it. Once you worked out, like you say, the risk reward part of it, it was good. You can use the meteors. They do shield the enemy missiles that come down to you as you're on your way up yes the screen but once you'd worked i'd worked out about getting them in the center it does add a bit more to the speed i thought not the top third of the screen as i was to start i was just herring up yeah and, and killing them i did think at first if i got to the top of the screen i didn't killed anything i'd still lose a life no you that don't get another case. chance yeah um, it comes round. I forgot to mention that if you if you go to the top of the screen because on the last invader, like Space Invaders, they go quite quickly and it's easy to miss them. And if you miss it and go off the top of the screen, it waits a few seconds with nothing happens. Like, uh oh, I've broken it. And then your ship comes back, your, your missile comes back on the launcher at the bottom. You get another chance, so you don't actually lose a life for doing that. As I thought you did it at the beginning of it, but I think when you do, I didn't play it for long. Clearly by my score. But yeah, there's more depth to it than I thought. It's got a lot of playability, and you say it's a relaxing game. Yeah. Now, we do this thing now. It's a new thing for me and Sean started up. Annoy or enjoy? Uh, I enjoyed it, especially when I realised you can get higher scores for getting the risky in-fair shot with the Allens. I enjoyed it. Good I've one. never played it before. Oh, really? Simple. Yeah, I've never played it before. Simple and, um, yeah, quite a rewarding game. I, I played it. I'm sure I played it as a kid on cocktail cabinets, like in... in you know, sort of the old style clubs and, and pubs and bars. I mean, you know, you, you, your parents would sort of put you out there with a Coke and a packet of cheese and onion crisps and go and play that for a bit. I'm sure I played it on those kind of games back then. But it was it was quite everywhere when I was a kid. Probably the early 80s, I thought, because I wasn't in the, quite in the arcades at 79, but 80, 81, I was in there. Now, extra bonus game, because they're quite simple games and you can't really go that much into them or, or do that much research on. The second one is Balloon Bomber. It was Taito, 1980. This is another vertical monitor game, the same controls as Galaxy Wars, two-way joystick left and right, with one button to shoot. Uh, this game came in two versions, colour and black and white, same with Galaxy Wars. Also, Taito 8080 hardware. Now, you move your tank at the bottom of the screen to shoot swinging bombs attached to balloons, moving left and right, and vice versa. They're about two-thirds away up the screen that a biplane drops out, pesky biplanes. If you get the swinging bomb, the balloon and bomb are destroyed. Rather like Space Invaders, but a bit slower. If you hit just the balloon, the bomb will drop. If it hits you, you lose a life. If you manage to shoot it as it's falling, it's removed from play and you get a score for it. If it lands on the ground your tank is on, it will leave a crater in the ground and you cannot travel over it until you lose another life and the craters are filled in. So it sort of limits your play area. Sometimes the balloons lob out a falling bomb too. After each level is completed, the biplane descends one row and depends, deposits the balloon bombs lower. 
After a few levels, the plane starts throwing three small bombs at itself, which can also be shot for points. If they land, they also leave small craters sometimes. If you are not accurate and careful, you run out of land to move your tank and eventually you'll get hit by a bomb. Now this is also from the flyer. The flyers are hilarious, these old 70s and 80s flyers. It says on the flyer, don't be deceived by the simplicity of balloon bomber. Don't get too fascinated by the rhythmic sway of the balloons as they lazily dance across the screen. Don't let the light-hearted background music lull you into a false sense of security. Hold on a minute. We mean light... What? Who? Light-hearted background music. Now, when you played it on main, did you hear any background music? Not, not at all. Right. This is where I found it had music in it, which is quite interesting. Each seemingly harmless balloon carries a bomb of deadly power. When you shoot your cannon, you better hit the bomb along with the balloon or the bomb will drop. Don't think this is easy. Garen, do not think this is easy. It says your name. No, it doesn't. Your screen is in constant motion. Clouds are moving. The sky... What? Clouds? Eh? Did you see any clouds in the main version? No. No, neither did I. The last thing it says, patience, alertness, reflexes, and skill. These will carry you through the test of Balloon Bomber. On the main version, for some reason, they didn't play the sounds on it, the, the music. I didn't get music in main when I played it. Did you? When I watched a video of it, they was playing music on it. And when I played on MAME on my, my Mac in the front room, I was getting this horrendous tune going on there. But it's really beepy. And I didn't get any music on my Midway Space Evaders cocktail because I've got the multi-board on there, which plays Balloon Bomber. So I was playing it on black and white on there. And all you're getting is the sort of Space Evaders sounds. But when I went on a, a YouTube video, they were playing it on... I think it was on uh, the PS2 collection version of it. And they were playing it on there. And there is clouds in the background, which you don't get on this version. You certainly don't get on the, on the, the Space Invaders hardware version. And it's playing this tune. And it also says the light-hearted background music. Ear-shatteringly horrible music, that is. And it sounds different on the actual version. So I'll play that as well. It's still painful but has much better effects. And also, on the PS2 version, on the Taito combination, it came out on the Xbox and all that sort of stuff as well, you've got clouds. And what I think happened is I can see on a picture uh, from gamesdatabase.org of the actual game. I can just see inside the window there. It looks like the, the clouds were actually on a half mirror, like Space Invaders. So it's projected oh, onto the screen, so they didn't move. And on one of the flyers, it shows it shows like four screenshots of the game playing, and the clouds are in the same place on everything. So I think the clouds are projected onto the screen with a half mirror. So that's why I think and I think they just they've added them in to the the PS2 version, and obviously they're not on the main version because it, be, it would be a piece of hardware, you know, a cardboard cut out on a half mirror or whatever. So there's some little bits going on there with the original game. I, w- I want to see an original machine to see what it looks like. Point values. A balloon's worth 50 points. A bomb with a balloon attached, 100 points. A bomb dropped from the balloon, which are really hard to shoot because they're quite thin, 150 points. Uh, a bomb dropped from a plane, little balloons, 50 points. If you get all three bombs from from the plane later on in the game you shoot all three of them you get a bonus which is a random bonus and i did it once i got 500 points which is quite a lot of points for such a low point game to get all three accurate shooting is essential in this game if you shoot one of them stupid balloons and it drops the bomb which it happens a lot you have to line yourself up really quickly 
to shoot it. Otherwise, you get you you get your ground knackered and you can't move very far. And it really impedes you. So that getting that and as the balloons move quite low down the screen, it's hard to get them. So you've got to be accurate. When you've got to sort of work out when they're going to sway and hit them on the sway, which is hard work, especially when they're a lot further up the screen. It's hard to get that sort of length on there. Yeah, and mystery mystery points. I used to like saying that back in the day. Mystery points are given for three successive hits. Now, the sound graphics, very simple. Same as Galaxy Wars, really. Um, I also noticed that very garish colours are used on MAME. But the Mr. Port I watched again on YouTube and also a few screenshots of the background as black, where MAME is bright blue, which was an overly bright playfield, I thought. I was playing, as I said, on my black and white midway tab, which was quite nice. I've just got the gel overlays on it, so it's like, you know, reds and greens. But I, I, I played it on that um, the Space Invaders multi-kit. It's got a few different versions of Space Invaders and the Lunar Rescue. I wish this game was on it as well. I'd like to play that on there. Uh, sorry, Galaxy Wars was on there, so that'd be a good little game to play on. It's the same hardware. You could put it on, really. So hopefully if anyone's clever enough, we can do that with that bit of kit, actually add a game to it. That'd be really cool. Now, the cabinet on this game is lovely. Uh, it's the same shaped cabinet as the Japanese Space Invaders, you know, the sort of square one, the, the flat roof on it, rather than the midway version. Uh, Taito uses for a ton of their early games. It's got really nice artwork on it. It's like a quite a standard sort of light blue cab, but it's got some nice. It's got two lots of side artwork on it: balloon bomber and a bit of picture down the bottom. And it's got nice sort of a full screen bezel on it, which is upright bezel. Which you look through the, the port in the middle of it, and then I can't actually see inside it. But I can just see it on the picture here. I'll probably put the picture on the on the notes. You can see sort of there's some sort of background going on there, which which is obviously projected with a half mirror. I'd like to see what that looks like, because when I went in MAME, you can, on some versions of MAME, go in there and turn those bits on. If you've got the artwork saved away, you can turn on the, the overlays and, and the bezels and stuff. And I didn't have it, so I couldn't see it. But I think that'd be really cool. So I, I haven't seen an original... I played an original Bloom Bomber when I was a kid. I used to go on holidays and stuff and see them there, but I cannot for the life of me remember it. Trivia on this game. There's a bit of trivia, actually. Bruce Forsyth the ex-entertainer, uh, was the world record holder on this game until he was beaten by Jimmy Tarbuck in 1983. <laughs> sort of fact. Seems, seems very true. Yeah, very, very plausible. <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> Let's do some scores. At the very bottom is Adam Pisces, or Adam Piscus, at 1,300 points. Bingo Pimple at 2,700. Andrew Driver, 3,150. Zestora, 3,300. El Meepo, 3,400. Ed Horse, 3,500. Paul McCaskey, 4050. Vigilante, 4,150. Yourself, Garen. 5150. What No Gravy, 5,500. And 50 points on top of that, Brian Haribo. One Punch Rob comes in at 5,700. Majok, 6,050. Evoga, 6,350. DNO, 6,500. Neil, 20 to 5. Uh, 6,550. Mr. Messi, 67,000. I'm not sure if that's that famous football or the Mr. Man. It's one of the two, I'm sure of it. I think the Mr. Man. Uh, Happy Dude, 6,750. J. Ping, 6,850. Tronads, 6,950. Not brilliant, I know, but better than now. Definitely better than now. R. Sean, uh, Balloon Bomber, 7,050. He says... Novel idea, let me do it in his voice. Novel idea, but we got click, click, up, boring like peas. Eating too many peas is boring and soup. Too much soup can really overstay its welcome. That's because he's a bearded fool. Thank you, Sean. Good yeah, score. I bet he's got a lot of soup in his house now. Let's just give him a bit of a for yep. getting a good score.
Rent yourself. Uh, you beat Sean again at 7,800. I did. And in between those two is Old Man Steve, 7,300 points. Oh, sorry, I missed him out. Sorry, sorry Old, Old Man, Man Steve. Steve. He's old, don't worry. He'll be all right. Yeah. He'll be okay. Uh, then we've got Ian Cullen, 8,200. Beat me by 400 points. Steve Tyke, 9,700. Good score. Uh, we have Charlie Farr, 18,500. Time bombs to balloons. Silly idea. It is a silly idea, especially the waggling around like they do. And at the top of the hit parade is 10 shearers, 20,650. That is a long game of Balloon Bomber. Because when you get narrowed down, you don't get a very long game. He must have had some sort of tactic to stop himself getting narrowed down. Not sure he did that. Pause and sequels. Balloon Bomber was on Taito Legends 2, which is that same one you showed me earlier, isn't it? It is. It's on there. I had that. I had that on the Xbox, the original Xbox, because it was green and the PS2 version was blue. Next show's game. Now then, Mr. Garen, I've tasked you with next show's game. It better be a good one because our listeners will not have any of it. They will beat you severely if it's not I, a good I'm looking forward to it. It was going to be a fish game. A fish or, game. Or, How did, or, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> How do you come up with a fish game? Well, I've been playing a lot of Darius, so I thought... Oh, I, I, see, sort of fish, I see, But it wasn't an obvious one for me. It was going to be either the one I chose or... Uh, one of a rabbit, so rabbit leaper. So we've gone with right. a rabbit or a fish. That was going to be keep it to animals. So it is funky fish from 1981 from Sun Electronics. Oh yeah. The ROM set is funky fish, but it's just fnkyfish.zip, yeah. and it is three lives, and the difficulty in extra lives are, are not applicable. Yeah. With it, and it is a strange little game. It, I've had a quick. I've seen it before. <laughs> I had a quick go of it last night, and. It, it's it's very much a Sun Electronics game. It uses the same fonts as Kangaroo and stuff like that, which they also made. And it's a bit odd. I was asked for Obscure. I think that was I did task you with Obscure, and you have come through Obscure. <laughs> I quite like it. Um, let's hear what the listeners have to say. So, listeners, please uh, submit your score. Slightly different from what you used to. Now that Sean's not around to do all the scores for me, just email to the site, which is vertvic at 10pencearcade.co.uk you can also put your scores in on the sidekick arcade app or twitter which is hashtag 10p score hashtag 10pscore please thank you very much the deadline for the score submissions is we will say one month from today we'll do it a month and that will be the so the 14th of april please 5 p.m uk time and that is about it. Have you got anything to add, Garen? No, thank you for having me. I just can't believe I didn't know that or didn't get Taito for Toa Plant, the game I probably played the most. You're not going to be able to sleep at night now, are you, for that? I'm going to have a tough one getting to sleep tonight. Have, to have a word with yourself. Sit in a corner. Why did you do get that wrong, you idiot? <laughs> Right then, thank you very much for joining me, Garen. And I will see you again, hopefully, quite soon. And thanks for listening, and goodbye. You can download or play the podcast... Read all the show notes and leave feedback at www.10pencearcade.co.uk. You can email me at vertvic at 10pencearcade.co.uk. You can also reach us on our Facebook page. You can tweet me at 10pencearcade. We'd love to hear from you for game suggestions, arcade pickups and stories, or any of your personal thoughts on anything we may have covered. <laughs>